0: You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest-selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Hello and welcome to Elvis, the Ultimate Fan Channel. Before we dive into this week's episode, I'd like to remind you to join me live every Wednesday and Sunday for my YouTube live stream shows when we have Elvis Fan Chats, an Elvis Fan of the Month quiz with monthly prizes up for grabs, and I picked my Elvis Song of the Week. In the first part of my interview with actor Nick Adams' daughter Allison, she spoke about finding a manuscript he had written about his friendship with Elvis Presley that began in the summer of 1956. In this second episode, Alison tells me about their continuing friendship during the 1960s, the truth about Elvis and Natalie Wood, and Elvis's reaction to her father's death at just thirty-six years old. So, so just to pick up where we were we were saying about Nick's movies. Um, tell me about Twilight of Honor.
1: Well, Twilight of Honor was the movie with Richard Chamberlain and Joey Heatherton, and my father uh, had a supporting role in it uh, about a murderer on death row, and so my father. Who was very much a, a public relations man. As far as an actor, um, he was great at PR. I mean, he would deliver a press release on horseback in his <laughs> rebel uniform down Wilshire Boulevard just for publicity. Um, and so he kind of he launched a whole campaign to get nominated for the Academy Award, which they didn't do as much back then as they do now. Now they really lobby. And the story goes that my father had this big, huge Academy Award party. And then he he drank too much beforehand because he was too nervous mm. and passed out in the bedroom with all the mink coats. <laughs> and uh, Roger Smith and Doug McClure, and uh, they had to break in and get my dad in the shower and yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, my father and my mom were the first ones at the Academy Awards, and my father was there practicing running up and down the aisles to accept his Academy Award. My mother said she's never so embarrassed. <laughs> and then he lost. And what happened was that when the movie came out, my dad did all this lobbying to get nominated, but when the movie came out, <clears throat> a lot of his part was cut. And so I think people in the industry or whatever felt a little duped. Uh, that's what Jay Bernstein told me. He said that that was one of the reasons why my father had a hard time finding work after his um, Academy Award nomination. People were mad at him. And that's when he started. That's when he went to Japan and made the Godzilla movies. I just did a podcast interview a couple of weeks ago for, in Japan, for the whole Godzilla universe, and you know that that was considered the low point of my father's career when he was making these sci-fi B movies in Japan. But then they ended up becoming cult classics. Yeah, yeah. So, they, they, he had I mean, a the, huge uh, following still.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's Frankenstein conquers the world. Die monster, die. Uh, invasion of Astro Monster and Mission Mars, but as you say, you know mm-hmm. they, they were they were at the time they were con- they were considered low budget B movies, but they they have become cult classics. Yes,
1: and he'd be so surprised. I think he'd love that. Yeah. I think it's ironic too. And I traveled. My family. We went with him when he shot one of the Japanese movies and. 1965, and I have very vivid memories of Japan and being there. It was it was wonderful. Right before my father died, and Elvis was getting ready for his back in 1968, they were in touch again and talking, and we're going to plan on jogging and getting in shape together, and I found this out from a close friend of Elvis's named Wanda, and she uh, sent me a quite a long, detailed email telling me about how upset Elvis was when he heard that my father had died hmm. and um, that... You know, Elvis was slapping his leg and saying, those bastards killed him, those bastards killed him. Mm. And mm. Elvis really felt that there was some foul play with my father's death because he said he and my father had discussed the medication that my father was taking and that he knew, um he knew that he could not take too much of it and Elvis was very suspicious because of the amount that was found um, with, in my father's system and that it would kill you instantly, but yet there was nothing in the medicine chest. There was no sign of it. Um, he was sitting up. He had a tape recorder. So Elvis, which he knew the police, in bel-air and he called his buddies to try and find out more about what happened to my dad Mm. but like everybody that tried to investigate it they were told just leave it alone leave it alone so i still don't really know what happened i have my my suspicions well
0: can i ask you i i did read somewhere that uh your, your father's death certificate was altered twice is that correct
1: well, yes, the um, death certificate was changed. First, they said um, it was overdose or hump, overdose suicide, and then uh, under, undetermined. Mm. So, or and so they decided it was accidental. But what the media and sort of the myth is, everybody thinks that my dad killed himself but I don't believe that he did kill himself because it's one of the reasons why Elvis was so upset it was like he said no Nick would never kill himself um,
0: Elvis and Nick share um, unfortunately the fact that it was two young lives cut short uh, your your dad was how old was your dad when he died
1: he was 36,
0: 36. so even younger than Elvis it, uh, Elvis was 42 um can you can you tell me uh, about finding out about Elvis uh, dying?
1: Well I I was um, like I said, I really wasn't part of the Elvis world or a huge Elvis fan um, before I found the book. It was sort of like before my time mm. and I discovered Elvis basically when I found the manuscript and then I just fell in love with them and so it was much later that I kind of came to the Elvis world obviously
0: Hmm. do do you remember hearing on the news or somebody telling you that that Elvis Presley was dead
1: I do I do and I remember always thinking about Lisa Marie I sort of felt this kinship with her I mean I've I've never met her or anything but i i know what it's like we're about the same age i know what it's like when you find out that night that your father died it's Mm. uh it just stays with you forever and i've always thought about how hard that must have been for her
0: Mm. yes because she was only she was only what nine i think at the time
1: yeah and i was eight so yeah it's like the same same age Mm. Yeah. when we lost our fathers well um it's
0: it's it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you it really has uh, obviously uh, with me being a huge elvis presley fan i've known about nick adams for you know, all my life, just about. I, I remember reading about uh, them being together during the the, the the 1956s and so forth. I've seen loads of pictures of your father with Elvis and Natalie Wood. It, it just strikes me that it was it was almost like a, a, a summer of love, that summer of 1956, where the three of them were just palling around and, and just having a great time.
1: Mm-hmm and people thought that Elvis and Natalie were dating they weren't um and you know Natalie did come to Memphis but she didn't stay long um it's it, she, she thought she she Elvis wasn't exciting enough for her to be a boyfriend you know Natalie was a wild child and yes. And Elvis, I mean, he liked to have a good time, but, you know, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't cuss. He, I mean, he liked to sing songs. I mean, my dad said he would play Mihaela Jackson, uh, You Never Walk Alone, over and over. He would find a singer that he loved and he would play it over and over and listen how they, how they sang it, how they did it. Um, I mean, he was obsessed
0: with music. I mean, that was his life. Mm, Yeah. It would strike me that uh, maybe Natalie was more Hollywood and Elvis was more Memphis. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. um, Your your father has gone down in the book, he's saying he he absolutely loved Memphis and he loved the the people of Memphis. He liked, he just, and he also said that no matter where him and Elvis went, they always heard people saying, you know, gee, he's such a nice guy. Can you believe how nice he
1: is? That's true. That's true. And it was when my father went to Memphis in Tupelo in 1956 that he really fell in love with the South. Mm. He had never been there before. And I think that that was part of what, when Andy Fennity came up with the idea for The Rebel, which is uh, takes place after the Civil War, and my father plays a disillusioned Confederate soldier, um, probably with PTSD, and wandering the West and and trying to understand and and help people. And um, but he loved the South, and he loved he loved the history, and um, that's why he named my brother and I gave us our names: Allison Lee Adams and Jeb Stuart Adams were Named after Confederate soldiers. Oh, I see. Or, uh, generals. I see. But which is probably not, it's not very popular to say now, but um, it was a different time back then yes. um, than it is now. Yeah.
0: Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we uh, round it up uh, mentioning the book and so forth and where we, where we can get the book?
1: Oh, um, I'm, I'm just so glad there's still people interested in the story i'm I'm happy that it's out there, and people can learn more about the Elvis that a lot of people's books nowadays are sort of about the you know the later years and more juicy, salacious kind of stuff and And this book is really about a feel good it's a feel good book about Elvis. It doesn't have any shocking
0: details. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. It, it's sort of before the curtain finally came down and the myth and all the uh, sort of uh, hype and um, exaggerations and, you know, people just trying to pull him to pieces in his, in the last few years of his life. But this is, like you said earlier on, it's it's like just the end of innocence. That's what it is, that, that last sort of 1956 summer before it got... Just <laughs> nearly unbelievably, uh, his fame was just, uh, it just it almost consumed him after about 1957, I think, anyway. Mm-hmm,
1: it did. And then the, and then he went into the army, and then the death of his mother, I don't think he ever got over that. Mm. I just don't. And my father flew to Memphis the minute he that Gladys passed away to be with Elvis. And um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Red West, you know, that told me that that my dad just like slept on the floor next to Elvis just so he wouldn't be alone. I mean, that's how good of friends they were. And and one thing I do want to add is that my my father got a lot of flack for being close with Elvis and as well as being uh, friends with James Dean and. But they really were true friends. And, um, but a lot of, they got a lot of flack. And I think the Colonel, uh, didn't want Nick and Elvis in public together anymore. And so my father would, uh, sneak. He would still fly to Memphis. He'd tell the press he was going to New York for an audition or something. And then he'd fly to Memphis and, and hang out with Elvis. So their their friendship did continue, um, but sometimes they had to just sort of do it under the radar.
0: Yeah, I I think you see a lot of people just couldn't believe that they were just you know friends and having a great time. They always people always try and think there was an ulterior motive for uh, Nick befriending Elvis or Elvis befriending Nick, Uh, but it was just they were just pals. They were just great friends.
1: Well, they were great friends, and all the rumors and all that stuff. It's like. Are you kidding? My dad and Elvis, they were they were horn dogs. They liked women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they had a good time. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean,
0: I, I know, I know what you're trying to say in, in a roundabout way. I mean, there's there's mean-spirited people who would try to say that uh, there was a, a an a relationship going on between Elvis and your father. You see, that's just another thing that people just try and twist and invent, uh, and a lot of it just comes from jealousy.
1: I think so. I mean, that was that's the first beginning of the book when my dad is defending Elvis, and he said it's just the green-eyed monster. Mm of jealousy. Yes. Um, but it's too bad because he really did pay a price. And the other thing is that, you know, Elvis, my dad, I mean, they were, they wanted to be famous. They wanted to be stars. They, I mean, whether they used each other as far as, yeah, my father wanted to get a leg up But at the same time, he was very respectful of when people were interviewing him, when he was with Elvis, and they'd ask him about him. And he'd say, look, I'm here to support Elvis. This isn't about me. Mm. So um, I think that he was very respectful of his friendships.
0: Okay, so the the book, uh, The Rebel and the King, forward by Alison Adams, uh, is available, as far as I know, it's still in print, and it's available uh, on Amazon.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. There's an expanded edition now, too. I did a a second edition, and it's called the expanded edition, More Elvis, and it has about 32 more pictures than the original book, and it also has an essay, essay by Roy Turner, who is the Elvis premier historian, as well as Marilyn Monroe, and he writes a, a lovely um, essay in the beginning, as well as a story by Elaine Dundee, um, okay. who writes a story about how Elvis was sort of like the ugly duckling. Mm. Um, I love that story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the one that I saw on Amazon when I was just researching for this interview. So it's the expanded version you really want to get because that's the, that's the best. Yes. Okay. Definitely. As I said earlier, um, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. I, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed very much speaking to you, and thank you very, very much for joining me on the show and sharing, uh, sharing this with the, with the listeners.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm happy. I hope I can shed some new stories on Elvis, because there's a lot out there, but I hope I gave you some new things to, to know about him and his life.
0: And I would I would highly recommend the book because I was reading it and, and I got a great kick out of it.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks. I, I self-published it. I know there's a few mistakes. It's not perfect, but I just wanted to get it out there for the fans.
0: Well, you'll find that every masterpiece has a tiny bit of uh, mistake in it. <laughs> they always say that.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. The the thing that also in the Rebel, the first uh, edition has, though, the original manuscript in it. I printed Xerox, the whole uh, manuscript, the book that um, the expanded version is a bit edited. And um, the Rebel and the King, the first edition, if you're interested in reading that, you can find it on Amazon and you can buy it through other sellers. Right. That's great.
0: Thanks very much, Alison. Thank you very, very much. uh,
1: And thank you, Steve, so much for reaching out and asking me to do this. So I hope we can keep in touch.
0: Yes, definitely. Thank you very, very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks once again to Alison for sharing her stories of Elvis and Nick's friendship with us. I really enjoyed speaking with her, and I hope you, the listeners, enjoyed it also. The book The Rebel and the King by Nick Adams with a foreword by Alison is available on Amazon and I have provided a link in the description box below. Don't forget to join me live on YouTube every Wednesday and Sunday for Elvis Fan Chat, the Elvis Fan of the Month quiz with a monthly prize to be won for the most correct answers and find out what song I have chosen as Elvis's Song of the Week. Until then, stay safe. And I hope you'll join me next time for another episode from Elvis, the ultimate fan channel.